Welcome to an inspiring message from Pastor John Cameron, lead pastor of Arise Church in New Zealand. We know this message will encourage, inspire, and empower you. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It is the certainty of what we do not see. It is being sure of something that we hope for. That's our faith. Anybody here like kids? I love kids. When you see a kid, they are the most awesome creature. They are full of optimism, dreams, expectation, excitement for the days that are to come. Kids live constantly counting down to something. I mean, you know, it is a, never ceases to amaze me how long a child's countdown can continue. They can count down, I kid you not, 200 days till Christmas. I mean, they have that power. They can count down from week one of the school term, how many weeks until the next holidays. They can count down how long it is until we go on our family holiday. It doesn't matter what is in front, doesn't matter what is around the corner. You're never gonna find a child that is thinking about life only in the here and the now. Is that not right? Every kid is like part here and part there. Part in what they're in right now and part counting down for something great that is just around the corner for them. Children are alive with expectation. Which is why, because they're alive with expectation, you're gonna find children to be energized. They're full of, they're full of enthusiasm. I mean, to be honest, when I had young children, I couldn't wait for them to go to bed. I mean, just because I was not as energized as them. I know I'm speaking to five parents in the room tonight, but one day you'll understand, you know? I mean, children are energized. Children are motivated. When children are filled with expectation for what is ahead, you can get them to do literally anything. I took my children to Disneyland to celebrate 10 years of the Arise journey. That was great. Being there was great. But probably even better was the six months after I told them that we were going until we did go. If your curtains aren't open, you're not going. If your homework's not done, you're not going. If the dishes, if there is a dish on the bench, we're not going. Suddenly, every problem I had was taken care of. They were alive with expectation, motivated up the wazoo. When children are, are full of expectation for something that's ahead, they're full of wonder. Christmas is not a blasé thing. I hate it when I find adults who are like, oh, Christmas, Christmas. Get over yourself, bro, man. Come on. Just be optimistic. It's just far better than being a pessimist. God is not a cynic. I wanna say it again, God is not a cynic. God's an optimist, God's a believer, God's upbeat, God is positive. God doesn't tear things down. God doesn't make cynical jokes. God is a believer. If you're a believer, give God a little bit of praise in this place tonight. And that God that we're worshiping wants to fill not only the heart of every child with expectation, but what we read in our passage of Scripture tonight is that faith is being sure of what we hope for. Okay, so if I hope for something, I'm living my life in the here and in the now, but what I would like for my life up ahead is something better. I hope that one day my life will improve. I would like 
something in my world to get better. I desire, I hope that I will one day be able to preach here, go there, marry there, whatever, achieve that goal, whatever your hope is for the future. And the Bible says that what the difference between hope and faith is that faith is being sure of what you hope for. So it moves from I see something ahead that I would like to I'm living here and there is something ahead and I'm waiting for what's ahead to come into my life. That's what it means to have faith. So therefore, if that's what it means to have faith, then faith is to be in a place looking forward to something that is ahead and be alive in your heart with a feeling of expectation. And guys, tonight, I wanna talk to you because I believe that people of faith are people of expectation. And I believe that for you and me in this room tonight, God does not want any person to live their life only in the here and now. In fact, I wanna preach to you this evening that there is danger to living only in the here and now. But God wants us living in a moment of time, but looking ahead to something that is yet to be in our lives and to welcome it to us with a feeling of expectation, expectation. Turn to the person next to you and just say, get expectant, get expectant, get expectant. See, the thing about expectation is that expectation is for what is beyond today. It's for what is beyond today. I'm, I'm here now, but I'm expecting about what is to come. Oh, we've already heard it this evening, but Ben is here now, but he's expecting for what is to come on Thursday morning as England play Croatia and Sunday morning as England play France. Probably, just calling it like it is. And therefore Ben is here, but he is alive with expectation for there. And expectation is that. It is the gap between where I am now and where I am going. Without expectation, if you have no expectation, then in your life you are living only for today. Anybody, anybody in this room that is going through their life, waking out of, walking out of, getting up out of bed, walk, yeah, anyway, getting out of bed in the morning, going, what is ahead of me today? I, I, I don't know what I'm doing today. I wonder what is in my day, but has no promise of anything that is beyond that. I promise you, your life is in grave danger. Because without an expectation for something that is beyond where I am right now, then the chances are extremely high that opportunities in my life are languishing, that potential is being wasted, and very, very high that I'm making foolish decisions right now. And that's why God wants to jump into our lives and give to us a sense of expectation to get us beyond the moment. It is expectation that connects our present to the future with a sense of certainty. And when that certainty of the future begins to invade the here and now, oh guys, it has the most radical impact on our lives. In Psalm chapter 27 and verse 13, David talks about a point in his life when he was in a very dark spot and he wrote about a challenging situation. I don't know how old you are in this room tonight or whether you're yet to face a challenging environment in your life but let's just get ready for it because the Bible in no way gives us any guarantees that if you know Jesus, you will never have a challenging season in your life. That is not the Bible. Jesus guaranteed us the opposite. John 16, He said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Yay! In this world, you're gonna have a difficult moment. That's what Jesus is saying. Awesome! 
But then he said, but be of good cheer because I've already overcome the world, right? So here we find David and David is in one of many situations in his life that were incredibly dire, very, very difficult. I mean, his childhood was like a, a, just an absolutely tragic story. His, his adolescence years was filled with jealousy and envy. And, and then his life, his service of God was filled with people cutting him down and putting him in the back and false accusations. He just went through so much stuff. Yet the Bible says about David that David wrote in the Psalm and he said about himself, he said, I would have lost heart. Can you put it back up, guys? I would have lost heart unless I had believed. I would have lost heart. I would have, I would have ruined my life. I would have been overwhelmed by discouragement. I would have felt like quitting. I would have given up on the fight, but for this one thing. I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Come on, somebody praise God. I reckon that's worthy of some praise. David is saying, man, everything in my life looked really bad, but I was alive feeling that God's got something greater for me that is still ahead. I've got an expectation that today might be tragic, but tomorrow will be blessed. I'm in the middle of an awful season, but I know God's got a good season. Come on, anybody out there truly believe that God has got something good ahead for you? If you do, just clap your hands and praise Him for five seconds. Come on. David said, my expectation is what got me through the difficult season I was experiencing. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, this incredible chapter, it's a chapter full of people that the Bible describes their lives as being journeys of faith. And it says, by faith Enoch, and by faith Abraham, and by faith Noah. And it describes these heroes of the faith and what they did. And Abel, who offered up a bit of sacrifice than Cain. And by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. And I love this chapter. And God wants us to be people who the actions of our lives are not determined, our, our decisions today are not decided by just what's in front of us right now, but what we believe is ahead. Noah, by faith, was moved with holy fear and spent 120 years building an ark, even though he'd never seen a raindrop fall from the sky. He was, he was moved with an expectation. That's what God's looking for today. Somebody that isn't making their decision, their investment choices, their, their lifestyle options just based on what you see in the here and now, but a sense of expectation of what God has got ahead of us. And then in verse 13, it kind of climaxes in this beautiful verse that I've always loved. I wanna read it to you for, night, for no other reason than the poetry of it. It says, all these people were still living by faith. Hebrews eleven thirteen. 13, you can throw it up team. All these people were still living by faith when they died. Then it goes on and says about them that they did not receive the things promised. Can we just get somebody back there and see if they can get every verse in my, my message just up on the screen tonight? It'd be awesome. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. They only saw them and they welcomed them from a distance. I love it. They didn't even get to have the fullness of what they were believing for. But the reason why they're our heroes tonight is that they looked forward to Jesus and they looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. And even though they were in the Old Testament times, they saw Jesus, they saw God's promise and they welcomed it from a distance. And then they said about themselves, we are aliens and we are strangers in this present world. They said, this is not our home. They said to trouble, you're not my home. They said to a life of lack, you're not my home. 
They said to the rejection of their high school years, that's not my home. They said that call of God, that's my home. That promise of God, that's my home. That destiny, that's my home. And they welcomed it from the distance. I loved it. They gave a pofity to their destiny. They stood there and welcomed it from the distance. They called to their distance, their destiny. And they said, how am I? They said, come closer to me, call of God. Come closer to me, my potential. Come closer to me, that which you have for me, Lord. I'm not living my life in this moment, but I welcome you, plan of God, from where you are into my present world. Oh, can we build a generation of people that aren't just living for the here and for the now, but are giving a poverty to their destiny? Can we raise some people who'll be saying, come to me, O plan of God. Come to me, O call of God. Come to me, the very will and desire of Jesus for my life. That's what God's looking for. He's not looking for some young person, some older person that is simply getting out of bed and going through the motions. God is looking for somebody who's looking forward to what God's got and is ushering in that will, that plan, that desire of God and saying, I am alive with some Holy Spirit expectation. Is there anybody with some expectation in this room tonight? Oh, my friend, I want you to know that every person should live with expectation, every person. Every person on this planet should live with expectation. The, the, the number one thing that happened to me the moment that I found Jesus was expectation. What do you mean, John? What I mean by that is that I came to know Jesus and two things happened to me. For the first time in my life, when Jesus came to my life, that was the first moment that I wasn't doubting what would happen to me when I died. My expectation was Jesus is in my life and I knew that heaven was my home. Is anybody out there and understand what I'm talking about? When I flew into Wellington Airport this afternoon and it was like the worst roller coaster ride in the history of the world and even the seats in the rows were beginning to creak like a, it was like the wings were about to fall off the plane. I knew no fear, why? Because if I leave this world, I go straight to a better one. I've got expectation. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? And if you do, give your God some praise. Come on. Heaven is my home. Someone shout yes. yes. The second thing that happened was for the very first time in my life, I started thinking about more than just today. I knew, I knew, I don't know how I knew, but I knew that my life had a purpose. Why? Because my life had become open to God. And if you're here tonight and you've yet to receive a personal relationship with Jesus, let me just tell you that if you'll open up your heart to God, you'll never doubt where you'll go, where you'll die. You'll never fear the grave and you'll know that in your life, you are not a mistake. You are not a nobody. You're not a leftover. You're not a reject. You're not a random something. You are a very special person. You were designed and created by God who had an intention in mind when He made you. If you believe that, pause and give your God some praise right now. Come on. Come on. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11 is why every person in this room, in this planet should have expectation. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you declares your God declares your God. He said it and He means it. Somebody shout, yeah. yeah. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. In other words, God has got a hope for you and God has got a future for you. And if God's got a future for you, then you need to get some expectation back in your life. God only has one plan and that's to give you a hope and a future. He has no plan B for your life. 
God has no desire to take you down. God has no desire to take you out. God is not waiting to smite you. He is not the mighty smiter. God loves you. And even if you screw up your life through your own folly and selfishness, the moment that you do, God's looking for a way to work that into something good, not just for you, but for everybody around you. And the moment you let Him in, that's exactly what He'll do. He'll turn your mess into a message and your failure into His triumph. And if you believe that, praise Him just one more time. Come on, that's our God, that's our God. And that's why this God wants to open up our lives to a sense of expectation. As we're approaching a RISE conference, I wonder what you're believing, wonder what you're expecting. Because you know, there's two kinds of people when it comes to our Christian faith, expectant believers and non-expectant ones. When you approach something like a conference, it's amazing when you get a group of people that are coming to a place, decided that in a moment, they're gonna use this opportunity to meet with their God and that something in their life is gonna change because they're in His presence. The Bible says we enter His courts with thanksgiving and His, His gates with praise that we don't wait until we get to conference, we don't wait till the preacher's halfway through the message to decide whether this is gonna be worthy of praise. We don't wait to be thankful to see if we got anything out of it. We come to our God acknowledging that if we're meeting with Him, then we have every reason for some expectation. So we're gonna thank Him before He does it. We're gonna praise Him like He's already done it. We're gonna, we're gonna go crazy for our God before He ever does anything for us. And when you get a conference full of people like that, when you get a TSB arena with six, 7,000 people who have come to that building, already decided that God is going to do something, you're bringing heaven to earth. You're bringing the power of God to the souls of men. And I believe that's what God's gonna do with this Arise Conference. That's why we need some expectation. See, my friends, without expectation in our lives, we are in grave danger. Let me tell you, there are three things, three things that will happen in life where there is no expectation. The number one thing that happens in life without expectation is that you will underperform. We will underperform now. See, the grave danger of having no expectation in our lives is that we could be alive and we have potential, but we're just underperforming. We're wasting time. We're, we're binge watching Netflix when we could be getting ready for our destiny. We're waiting time and bit, we're wasting time and bitterness when we should be saying, I have no space for you because I, God has a plan for my life and I need every piece of mental faculty, all my emotions getting ready for the bigness of what God's got ahead. Come on, I found the greater your expectation, the easier it is to forgive. Come on, somebody. When you've got expectation in your life, you're not, you're not gonna underperform in the here and in the now. When I was 19 years old, you've heard the story a thousand times, but over four days, I had a repetitive vision, dream, whatever, where I knew that God had called me to do things like this and to be a preacher and a leader of people. Well, it changed my life. I started getting up at five o'clock in the morning. I would read my Bible for an hour. I would pray for an hour, go to the gym for an hour. I had no children, so then I would have a quick shower and go to work. I did that every day for years. But because of, that, because of that preparation time, when the door finally opened to begin to do things, I wasn't unable to do the things God had when the door finally opened. Because I had expectation as just a young teenager, God had already put the seed of it in me, so I wasn't wasting the moment that God had opened up. 
And I just think that there are too many people often in life that are like, you know, I, 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 I hope God's got a plan for me. No, 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 that's not enough. You gotta get some expectation. Jeremiah 29, 11, ain't kidding. God has got a plan for you. So we need to make sure that that expectation is colliding with the way that we are living so that we're not wasting the moments that God has given to us. Your life counts for something even more than you. Come on, do you believe that today? And if that's the truth, then we need to get this expectation thing and we need to take it seriously. Number two, without expectation in our lives, we will become complacent. It's just so easy in life to get complacent, isn't it? To settle on your laurels of what you've already accomplished and check out of the journey that God's got you on. And that is why God doesn't want any person to have no expectation in their life because if you have no expectation, you will settle for where you are. But when you believe that God has more, when you know that God has more, when something beats in your heart that what you've seen so far is only a portion of the great things that God has for you, it refuses you no rest in that positive sense. It will motivate you and compel you and drive you and get you out of bed in the morning. And every person needs to know that God has got something greater in your life than what you've lived and what you've seen so far. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. We can never get complacent. I've watched people do this. I've watched people get to certain moments in their life and then suddenly everything fades. In fact, I have a theory. I'm gonna share it with you tonight. I believe that every 20 years of your life, you get the opportunity to become complacent or to refire with expectation. What do you mean, John? What I mean is that teenagers naturally have expectation. They just believe the world is awesome and beautiful. They're ready, ready to go. When you're in university, you've got expectation because you're waiting to start your job. But you get into your 20s, and there are two types of people in their 20s. Passionate, moving forward, people who wanna do something with their lives and those that have just got an increasing plethora of leisure moments and not using their gifts and talents for anything beyond themselves. They became complacent. Same thing happens when you get into your 40s. I mean, I'm in my 40s right now and the temptation is that people get there, they've already done some certain things with their life and it becomes just far easier to settle than to pay the price of progress. I reckon it happens again when you're in your 60s, when you've got another opportunity to refuel and do something beyond yourself, where your kids are growing and your grandchildren are just rising, when you can truly let a next season of your life count for God. Yet so many make it just about themselves. And I think that there is an opportunity for us to say, I'm not gonna become complacent about this life that I'm living. I'm not gonna become complacent about this plan that God has for me. I'm not gonna become complacent about the gifts and the talents that He's placed on the inside of me. I'm gonna be filled with expectation that if I put my talents to work, God's gonna multiply them. If I keep reaching for the future, God's got something greater. I want you to know tonight that if you can breathe in and out, you haven't lived your best days yet. God has got something more for each and every one of you. And if you believe that about yourself, praise your God right now. Come on. We're not gonna get complacent. Number three, when you, when you, when you, when you, when you lose your expectation, when you have no expectation, you become frustrated with the wrong things. Oh man, I, I, by the way, if you want to just see a, a sad story of complacency, then go back before Genesis chapter 12 and read the last few verses of Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 12 is where Abraham's life kicks off. Genesis 11 begins with a, a genealogy, all the begats. This guy begat that guy, begat, 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 begat. 
But once you get through all of that, you get four verses where the story is about a guy by the name of Terah, T-E-R-A-H, who left a place called Ur of the Chaldeans to go to the land of Canaan. He was Abraham's father. But the Bible tells us he started the journey. He got halfway on the journey. And then he found a place called Haran, stopped, settled, lived, and died there. Sit out with a dream. Anybody with me? Set out with an expectation. Got halfway there, stopped, settled, lived, and died. And we are not gonna be a Haran dying generation. We are not gonna be a group of people who quit on the way to our destiny. We're not gonna get, a com- get to a comfortable side road and decide that we're parking there. We're reaching forward to the great plan and purpose of Jesus, reaching higher every day, breaking free from every limitation, rising every morning with confidence in our God. Come on, if you believe it, lift your voice and praise your God right now. Come on. Oh man, I believe God's looking for some people with some expectation. When we don't have expectation in our life, the third thing that happens is we start getting frustrated by all the wrong stuff. Because if you're gonna get where God wants you to go, if you've got expectation in your life, it's gonna mean a lot of times when you're living in one environment, only because it's gonna get you to another one. I mean, when Jillian and I got married, we lived for seven years in a one bedroom cottage that was about from here to the wall next to the drum kit. It was about that big. It had a bedroom, it had a lounge, it had a kitchen, and then it had a very small bathroom. And to do the washing, you had to go to the Skyline Garage outside. We lived in that one bedroom cottage for seven years. Every year that we lived there, it was closed by the police at least once a year because someone had a gun, a machete, or a knife and was wandering up and down the street. Every time it rained, underneath the house, it would fill up with rain, with water, and end up with a big swamp underneath the house. So then in the winter, when you turn the heaters on, the heaters would drag the water up into the house, and three times a year, we'd have to clean mold off every wall. In the summer, in Auckland, where it's humid, and there's water, heat plus water equals mosquitoes. And this was the house that we lived in for seven years. But every year that we lived there, I promise to God, every year that we lived there, we would stop and we would give God thanks for that house. Do you know why? Because we were paying 130 bucks a week to rent it. And even though we're on a meager little youth pastor's salary, we were still able to save a little bit every week, believing that one day we would own our own home. So we weren't living in that home because that home was our ultimate spot. We were living in that home, not frustrated by it, but thankful for it because it was a tool that got us where we wanted to go. Oh, come on, you understand what I'm saying? You're gonna go through a lot of difficulty, but you're not gonna give up. You're gonna have a lot of things in your life that aren't right now, but you're not gonna lose heart. You're gonna have things that you want, but you know that they're gonna come to you in the days that are ahead. And we're not losing heart, and we're not getting frustrated because our God is working all things for His glory. Stand to your feet and give your God some praise in this place if you've got expectation about where your God is taking you. Our God is on our side. Come on, I believe, I believe there's somebody in this room who needs to hear this. Listen, before you take your seat, look at me, look at me, look at me. Don't resent your tent. Don't resent your tent. What you're in right now that's on your tool for God to get you where you're going. 
Whatever you're in now that you know is just a seed of what God's got. Whatever you're in now that is merely a vehicle by God to take you into your destiny. Never resent your tent. Come on, somebody. The Israelites. Those Israelites got out into that wilderness and started moaning because they're living in tents. And God's saying, hang on a minute. Why are you moaning? Your tent is gonna get you into your destiny. You gotta understand, I gotta take you somewhere. If you're gonna go on any journey, it's gonna involve moments of discomfort. But expectation is gonna make you say, I don't resent my tent. I thank God for my tent. Come on, this situation's just setting me up for the great things that God has got ahead. Come on, somebody praise your God all over this building right now. You can grab a seat. I got got a couple more points I wanna throw at you. Number one, let me give you three points today. What's gonna happen if we're gonna cultivate expectation in our lives? If we're gonna get this expectation thing and we're gonna crank it up. And I believe God's desire for every person is that we crank our expectation up to a whole nother level. When Arise turned 10 years old, I realised that we'd already come so far, but I didn't want to become complacent. So we created a 10-year vision for our church. I mean, it's crazy. It's like we're going to build a church of influence for the nation of New Zealand. We're going to build a church that has life groups in every metropolitan area within walking distance of every home in this country. We're gonna build a church that is for everyone everywhere. A church that says we're coming to you, not you come to us. We're gonna build a church that utilizes technology to be able to declare to more people the truth of Jesus. We now see every movie theater, every town, every home as an opportunity to create an arise environment and to give glory to our God. We're gonna build a new generation of leaders for the church of New Zealand and beyond. We are gonna take ground for Jesus and we are gonna be a church that is gonna impact this nation for God a whole 10 year vision. Then I made it into a sign that the the creative guy said, but I asked him to, and it was wider than me and taller than me. And I hung it on my office wall for three years. So every time I sat at my desk, I looked up and the first thing that I read was the kind of church that we were going to be. And then I sat in that desk and I realised the different, the distance between where we were and where we were going. And it meant that every day counted. It meant that every day we needed to move forward. It meant that every day we needed to stop just being happy where we were, give God thanks for the moment, but reach for the future with expectation. And I believe that there are people all over this auditorium that need a dream on your wall and a prophecy in your heart. You need a plan of God becoming clearer because your God ain't done with you yet. He's got something greater that is still ahead. Come on, if you believe it, shout amen in this room tonight. So if we're gonna cultivate expectation, let me give you three things. Number one, first thing that we gotta do if we're gonna cultivate expectation is we gotta refuse to be defined by what we see or what we have seen. Oh, we're gonna get some expectation in our lives because we're gonna look at what we've already seen. We're gonna look at what we see right now. And then we're gonna say, hang on a minute. This might be my current location, but this is not my calling. This might be what I've got at the moment, but it is not the fullness of what God has for me. I am not defined by this. I am reaching forward with a holy sense of calling that God has got something greater for me in the days that are to come. Can I tell you one more testimony? This year I turned 45 years old and completed 25 years of full-time Christian ministry. I'll be honest with you, going into my 40s has been somewhat challenging because I still feel so young. (laughs) Stop laughing. 
And, and, and I, I turned 45 and I was like, oh, dear God, that's, that's like, that's serious now, you know? <laughs> and then it dawned on me. It dawned on me. I started a ministry when I was 19. I'm 45. I've t- completed 25 years. By the age of 69, I could have done another 25. Then I started looking back. My first year of, full, of full-time ministry, I gave up preaching because I was so discouraged. And when I did preach, it was to 10 kids in a high school Christian group. Now, I preach to thousands and nations all over the earth. I have a church that is growing and expanding. And I thought, hang on a minute. If that's where I started 25 years ago, and this is where I'm starting, if this is where I'm starting right now, well, my gosh, who knows what could happen in the next 25 years if I gave 100% of my life, not just to looking backward, not just to seeing what I got right now. Come on, are you starting to catch it? If we start looking forward and saying, hang on a minute, what I'm in right now is not my destiny, but that dream and that plan, that's what you've got for me, God. That's going to break us out of that rut, that lack of expectation. It's going to awaken our spirits to soar. And I believe that's God's will for us. Somebody shout amen in this place tonight. The second thing that we need to do is refuse to be, that's the number one, refuse to be defined by what you're in. Number two, choose to believe God's promises. We need a generation that are choosing to believe God's promises over every fact, over every situation, over every challenge, over every setback. I still believe your promises. Why? Because when you welcome His promises into your life, you welcome expectation. Genesis chapter 15, the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 15 that Abraham is in a dark place in his journey. Anybody ever had a moment in the night when all your fears suddenly start to come around you? Abraham had that moment. Genesis 15, the Bible tells us he's lying in his tent in the middle of the night and he's rehearsing his fears. He's rehearsing his fears. So the Bible tells us that God turns up Genesis 15.1 and his opening line to Abraham is, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. And Abraham said, God. And then he starts to, we start to get an insight into Abraham's fears. I'm gonna die childless. Eliezer of Damascus will get every material possession that I have. I've lived all these years in a people in a foreign country where I don't even understand the language and I've done it all because you gave me a dream in my heart and it hasn't come to pass and it's all gonna be for nothing. And God said, Abraham, get out of this tent. Somebody needs to leave the service, grab that EP, get alone with a pen and a notebook and you need to get out of your fears and get out of your restriction and get out of your doubt and you just do what Abraham did. The next thing Abraham did is he looked up at the stars. You can do that by playing that song. There's no secret that you love me. It's not hidden who I am. I'm found in your purpose, found in your promise. Oh, how you love me. No more striving. I surrender. Blah, blah, blah. It's really good. <laughs> God said, count those stars. And in my mind, Abraham was left there by God for at least two hours. Are you with me? Like, I think God's up there with a- a- angels. He's up there with Michael. He's up there with Gabriel going, see this, guys? He's up to two and a half thousand. Abraham's like two and a half, 2,498, 2,499. Oh, another one, 2,500. And he's like, he's just going for it. He's obedient. He's just doing what God told him. And then God turns to him and says, hang on. If you could count the stars, you could count your descendants. If you could count the sand on the seashore, you could count your descendants. That's how numerous your offspring is going to be. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 15, 6, the most important verse in the entire Old Testament, without it, we have no salvation. He said, Abraham believed God and God credited it to him as righteousness. Yeah. 
A guy whose wife is 97 years old gets a promise from God and he doesn't look at what he sees, but he chooses to believe God's promise. There are people in this room who are struggling to believe God's promises and when you compare your challenges to Abraham's, you got nothing on them. I'm not here to be belligerent or mean. I'm just here to tell you, believe your God. You are not your pain and you are not your past. You are God's promise alive on the inside of you. Number three, the band can come and join me right now. Number three, we need to ask God to show us what is to come. We are not gonna be defined by what we've been in. We're gonna choose to believe God's promise. By the way, if you have no unique promises that are alive in your life, let me tell you something, you've got a book that is full of them. The Bible has 66 books, 1187 chapters, 31,102 verses, and every single one of them is a heart beating from your God to you, telling you that you have a plan, you have a purpose, that God loves you, that He's on your side, that He's gonna work something good in the life of every person who comes to Him. And if you believe that, shout Amen in this room tonight. But then the third thing we're gonna do is we're gonna start to ask. We're gonna start to ask God, show me God what you've got for me in my life. Show me the things that are to come. What's your verse for that, John? Jeremiah chapter 33, verse three. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you do not know. You want some expectation? Start looking to your God. You want some expectation? Start finding God in worship. You wanna find expectation in your life? Become a God seeker and a God caller. Call upon me and I will answer you and show you greater mighty things that you do not know. That's what your God's gonna do in your life. So friends all over this room, I believe that God is wanting every person in this service to be awakened to expectation. I believe God put you on this planet for a purpose. I believe your life is important. I believe you're gonna do something amazing for God. You are not your past. You are not your pain. You are not today's challenges. You are the promise of God that beats in your heart. If God gave you a promise, He's able to fulfill it. If you believe it, shout Amen. If you would like to find out more about Arise Church and Pastor John Cameron, visit arisechurch.com or connect with us on Instagram at arisechurch and at John Cameron NZ.